Hello, this is Talking Object. My name is Cesar Ranero, and today we'll talk about how children will be able to study in the middle of a pandemic and the practices workplaces are employing to deal with COVID. I am joined today by Jenna Wilson and Hannah Ennessy. My name's Jenna Wilson. My pronouns are she and her. I currently am in Los Angeles and I work in post-production. My name's Hannah Ennessy. I live in the northern suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. My pronouns are she and her. I am a former middle school teacher and elementary school teacher. I now work in project management and client services in the technology field. And I am Cesar. Uh, he or they pronouns. I was living in Brooklyn as a set builder until I was displaced by COVID. And after a few japes and capers, I'm now broadcasting to you in surround color from Queens. Um, now, everyone should be concerned about schools reopening in the fall, not just because we should care about how the next generation is being educated, but because schools, by their nature, are a hotspot of contagion, connecting many households under one roof. And more than workplaces or retail establishments, they present one of the biggest challenges in keeping the coronavirus at bay. So, before we dig into schools, let's take one step back and consider how everyone, in our own varied circumstance, will have to face the same pandemic. We must recognize that the urge to ignore our deepest fears is very real and very human. That's why when we're scared or nervous or starting something new, we like to put up barriers, not only to defend ourselves, but also to make us feel safe. The face mask is one such type of protection. It serves a clear health function, but because it cannot work perfectly, millions of workers and their families are now confined to their homes. The future looks different for everyone. Some will adapt, others will have to learn new skills. Many will not be able to cope well with the changes, not to mention those that will get sick or that will unfortunately die as a result. But one of the basic frontier lines of humanity has shifted, the work-life balance, the office you and the home you. That division has forever been changed. As we all put up a barrier against COVID, we find that a lot of these old masks that we put on, our work self, our school personality, our intimate side, are coalescing into a new COVID awareness. It's a feeling of total war against the tiny enemy but also a great sense of emancipation from old habits. And with that, let's have Jenna ask the first question. Jenna. Sure. So we were wondering, how has your work-life balance changed due to COVID? So, um, you know, obviously being a mom of three kids, um, ages six, four, and three, um, I definitely, my husband and I had to change, you know, the way we thought day to day and how we're going to, you know, obviously tackle our home life, but also tackle our work life, um, as well as teaching our kids from home. Um, so there were a lot of pieces to almost a puzzle that we had to bring together, you know, when COVID hit. Um, obviously, the school's closing in. March, you know, brought us, you know, we, you know, I had to become a teacher again, and my husband had to become a teacher. Um, I had to lead my team, he had to lead his team with work. Um, so definitely just changing the way our day to day ran. Um, you know, our kids get up at 5am. So we had to start our day at 5am as opposed to, you know, 
getting their backpacks on, packing their lunches, sending them to school, and my husband and I going our separate ways and, you know, working. We had to kind of do it all together. Um, Definitely a struggle, but, you know, it's kind of become our new norm. And, you know, we're just trying to make the best of it. So your children are clearly the priority when making your schedule. How have your bosses reacted to the changes in your shift? So, you know, I work for a smaller family-owned business. So a lot of the people I work with were in a very similar situation, you know, having small children at home with them. And you know, so my boss was personally very supportive. You know, he has small children himself. So he understood that I was going to have to balance my team as well as being a mom at home, playing this dual role. You know, we're normally, you know, when you're at work, they don't see that side of you. Um, so... You know, definitely my husband and I just had to rotate and, you know, we both have supportive teams. So we were able to, you know, if we had calls or, you know, whatever it may be at the same time, we would have to kind of shift things around in our work schedules. You know, we would literally high five running up and down the stairs. All right, your turn. Like we literally would just take turns. Um, We still do because, you know, within the, you know, you have a a call for 30 minutes, dead stop. It's my turn. Um. You know, and in between that, juggling between really balancing keeping the kids occupied, because obviously I didn't just want to plop them in front of the TV all day or put them in front of an iPad. Um, So setting up activities for them while we would take care of our stuff. And it was just this constant back and forth. It was like taking on a third job of balancing all of it together while working and teaching the kids. So it was just this. And it still is. I mean, every day it's a it's a struggle, and it's not it's not easy. You know, it's it's definitely something I never thought I would have to to do as a parent. But yeah, thank thankfully we both have very supportive teams that are able to you know understand and you know relate to you know us just as humans, and that we have to make a living. I'm sure with three young kids, you have in place before COVID your routines and you're really comfortable with that. And so kind of having to think on your feet as the pandemic started, I'm sure it's just been such an adjustment. Yeah. And it's funny that you say routine because like my children thrive on routine. Um, I mean, they always have ever since they were, you know, little, little, like really little. And, you know, they would nap at the same time every day. They would eat at the same time. So when this happened, it was like, wait, hang on. What what are we supposed to do, mom? I don't get it. Like, what is going on? We're not going to dance class. We're not, you know, going to STEM class after school. Mm -hmm. Like what, what's going on? So their little brains had to adjust to that new routine of not having a routine and and (laughs) just really, you know, adjust. So were you able to see from the Zoom calls with your coworkers that they were kind of having the same nuances of like the kid being on your lap during the Zoom? Or- yeah, so it was that that probably was like the hardest thing for me, you know, obviously is background noise. I lead a lot of client calls and am the predominant person speaking on the phone when I have my Zoom calls or my, you know, whatever go-to meeting teams um calls. So You know, it was a really hard adjustment because I, in the beginning of COVID, I was always pushing my kids, you know, away from me and, you know, mommy's on the phone. You know, I'd go off mute, on mute, off mute, on mute, you know, where I'm like, Hey, be quiet. And then I, you know, unmute myself and try to continue my conversations with the clients. And I had to get used to the fact that other people had that same noise in the background. You know, when I started noticing people weren't muting themselves and I kind of had to show a different 
outside of myself to either my clients or my team, you know, and I finally, you would, you know, finally see my kids were running around in the background and, you know, my kids were, you know, playing Power Rangers in the background and they were, you know, it was, <laughs> it's just real life. It's just, it's re it's reality. Totally. Like, yeah. It, it just is. And I think I had a harder time adjusting to that, that, you know, I needed to just pull my kids up on my lap and show them what I was doing, you know, why I'm doing it as opposed to pushing them away. Normalize it. We were just yeah. all getting angry and that just wasn't good for anybody. And you're hitting on a really important point that I think uh, is the first thing that we have to realize kind of like as a whole nation is that we've always had the work-life barrier and that usually has meant that people just commute to their place of work. Uh, with COVID, that's completely mm -hmm. changed. And for people who uh, can work from home, I think what we're seeing is that you used to have your work part of your personality and like the home part mm -hmm. and it's just grown into this big one <laughs> mess but yeah right before we jump on and talk about your kids which is you know the most important part of all of this I definitely want to finish talking about the work stuff and how you've noticed that maybe mm -hmm. now that the barrier isn't physical, now that the barrier needs to happen on pushing deadlines or, you know, treating other people like human beings, mm -hmm. um, how that's changed in your workplace, uh, because just to put it into a broader context, I think we have been seeing that the productivity of offices has gone up in the pandemic, surprisingly. Um, and that I think is just a testament to what you're pointing to, I think, which is this this change in mm -hmm. the way people work. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's like, it's like you've become human, you know, because people are getting to know you on a more personal level. Because before you are definitely like, a, I'm a work Hannah, and I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, have to, I used to have to turn that work off when I would walk in the door, you know, when I get home, because I don't want to be that for my kids, I want to be mom. But now it's like, I have to be both at the same exact time and really balancing that has almost been good for my soul I mean it's taught me patience it's taught me compassion and it's taught me how to just take a deep breath and that everything is out of my control totally. um, especially because my kids are so little it's not like I can tell them to go do something by themselves they 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 need attention they need you know, that focus mm -hmm. that they would be getting at summer camp normally, we would send them to. But yeah, I mean, and scheduling my day differently. I mean, definitely planning it out. And you almost have to like insert, you know, areas for your kids so that, you know, at lunchtime, you know, I normally would take a 30 minute lunch, but I'm going to set up a project for them to do while I'm getting ready for my next call or whatever the case may be. So it's just really adjusting your mind right. and it is what it is and you need to make the best of it because it's reflecting on your kids and how they're going to act. Yeah. No, Hannah, I think you're really pointing to how COVID has really been um, a learning process because as um, a society uh, and as humans just generally, we're kind of crap at being able to deal with things in a very specialized manner. And we like those sweeping approaches that kind of like apply to everyone. And I think in schooling, we're definitely seeing that, you know, that simply won't be the case and that simply won't be the answer. So you've chosen to homeschool your three kids in this fall. And right before you 
walk us through that process, I'm sure that you being a teacher and the age of your kids was also a big factor in mm -hmm. that thought process. Yeah, so first off, I personally think that if I am not going to put myself at risk and go to the office, why would I put my kids at risk and put them in a classroom? I mean, I'm spending, you know, eight hours a day at work, you know, moving around, touching things, you know, as you normally would picking up, you know, using your mouse, using your keyboard, going to the break room, using the bathroom. The kids are going to do the same thing. Yes, as an adult, I can wear a face mask and I know not to touch my eyes, my nose, my mouth. Um, but I have a three-year-old, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And to tell them to do that is foreign, not the norm, even though we're making it the norm, but it's not the norm. So that, that was my first thought process or my husband's and I's first thought process because our offices are both open, but we're choosing not to go and our companies support that. So why would I put my kids in danger if I don't have to? Um, being a former teacher too, I mean, I feel pretty capable of being able to educate them. Um, two are going to be in preschool and one's going to be in first grade. Um, so I know our school is going to offer e-learning curriculum. So we'll be able to utilize that just as a guide. And then my two younger ones, I'll probably have to, you know, find a, a program to do. Being able to balance it back and forth between work and school is going to be very difficult. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but my kids' safety is the number one priority. And the other individuals that are at the school are are important to me. So I don't want to put anyone at risk by, you know, sending my children. Are the, so you, you will be open to employing whatever online curriculums the schools end up sending out. So it'll be kind of half homeschool and half using their curriculum. So it'll be homes, it'll be their e-learning. So everything will be at home. Um, but what they do is they provide you with an outline or a guide as to what at first grade you should be doing. That's great. So, I mean, that's a that's a really nice option that a lot of schools are doing. And I know some some states are going that direction 100%. And then there's a lot of places that are doing a hybrid. So half in class, half online. And then there's 100% in school. Right now, we are a private school that we go to. Um, and what has come out so far that falls under kind of our bracket is 100% in person. So e-learning is in a, you know, small text as optional. Wow. Um, so we're, wow. we're waiting for that exact curriculum to come out from our specific school. If it's nothing that, if it's something better than was provided for us la at the end of last year, we will go ahead and enroll them in that curriculum. If not, we will strictly find it online and we won't enroll in a school at all. You know, the kids are going to be starting school in what, a month? Mm -hmm. And that we, we still don't know, you know, like... <laughs> I know. It's, it's crazy. I know. You would I, think by now you'd you'd have a little bit more of an answer. I know. It's it's really it's really sad and it's I think what hurts me the most is that people are jumping to send their kids back because they're kind of just done as opposed to really stepping back and reading mm -hmm. through what the guidelines are or what they're telling, you know, the kids to do when they get to school. I just, you know, mm -hmm. I just think about myself and would I want to do that? Would that be safe for me? And why would I put my kid to in that situation if I wouldn't do it myself? It just it just mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to me. 
it's hard to to say what other people would do because I don't know, you know, their kids, if their learning disabilities are in families, if there's behavioral disorders, because that's a whole other decision to make to send your kid back to school because they need that specific, you know, social interaction or that specific routine, like we were talking before. For my for my kids specifically, you know, I think it's just best that we keep them home and, you know, we're able to provide them with, you know, what we can. You've hit this really good theme of rushing the kids out of the house, which mm-hmm. is, you know, kids need it, the parents need it, mm-hmm. the schools and everyone else who do things for kids also need it. So the energy mm-hmm. is there, but I think as you are mentioning, that energy can very quickly become a horrible situation that will lead to death. Absolutely. So there was um, our high school within our school, our school district within the town that I live in. They opened up the high school sports camp last week. And it was, I believe, soccer, um, football, and palms. And after the first day, 36 kids tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I will say that they put up a testing center that following Sunday at the high school for one day, and we have not received results back yet. I mean, it takes, they didn't do the rapid test. I don't think, I think they did the, the longer, the one that takes a little bit longer to to get results. They are doing, they are doing another pop-up testing site at the same high school this Sunday again to, you know, find out if there are more cases. The surrounding towns all shut down their sports camps also because, you know, all of our town we're so close. We've got all these little pockets of towns and all the kids are all friends with each other. Um, but we did find out that there were two parties that occurred um, the week of the, the week before the 4th of July where the kids had been and then they went to the sports camp. Oh my God. Um, so it started. So we don't that's why they're doing the pop ups because and they're closing the surrounding towns because we don't know who was at those parties where they have been. Um, so they're doing contact tracing in our town to find out who is where. And yeah. No. And because <laughs> that also highlights another huge part of this whole thing, which is you can have the guidelines, you can have the testing, but if there's no follow through, that's the problem, you know, mm-hmm. why does it matter? Exactly. And to that end, Jenna, I think has uh, a question that kind of hits this up this point as well jenna um have you noticed your kids taking to just the general precautions that we've been, like that we've had to employ like mask wearing and washing hands how have they reacted to that yeah so my it's funny my four-year-old he's very personable and he's very social and you know every time i leave the house to go to the grocery store he's like mom don't forget to wear your mask is I'm like all right hon i got it so he's always like very conscious of, well, I saw that person wearing a mask. Well, why isn't that person wearing a mask? So they're wow. very aware. Like if we go for a drive, you know, we'll just literally go for a long drive. Um, and we, you know, we'll drive past a park and they'll see kids playing at a park. And our park was closed for the longest time in our neighborhood. It's now open again. They are like, why are their kids playing at the park, Mom? Why they're not supposed to be playing at the park? I'm like, I know they're not, and we're following what we think is right, and their parents are following what you know they think is right. So they're very conscious mm-hmm. of you know what people are doing and what they're not doing. Um, 
and are aware of like, we'll get back from even just a walk in the neighborhood. Mom, I got to go wash my hands. Like they just know because we, from the beginning, like when we were picking them up from school, when this was kind of starting to happen before they, we had hand sanitizer in the car, in their hands, like right when they got in. Um, so I think cause we were so aware of it and we were washing our groceries and, you know, wiping everything down that they are just watching. Like they're literally just near, mm-hmm. they just know. And I think cause they're so little, little, their minds are so, you know, so are sponge like, and they're just developing habits that we have. So, yeah, I mean, they have been very conscious of, you know, what's going on and who's not doing, you know, what we think is right. They're very vocal about that. Yeah. Um, which I'm sh- it's normal for them almost, which is crazy. Yeah. It's so it's wild just, you know, how flexible kids can be and how, un- mm-hmm. you know, inflexible adults can be on the you know other side of the spectrum. But I think you're right that by you as the parent accepting this kind of foreign world, it's making it that much more easy for them to just follow suit and, you know, accept the protocols that you put in place. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, we kind of go back to the homeschooling, but being like with the what's norm, you know, now is, you know, I had the news on just last night, and they were talking about schools reopening. And my six year old looked over to me and she's like, but I thought we're supposed to stay home and do school. So there's all these mixed messages that are, you know, floating around and kids are just I think they're either really confused or they're you know, just really in tune with what's going on um, because Mm. she was like, wait, why'd they say school is opening? And I, you know, had to explain to her that that's what we're choosing. And, you know, not everyone's going to choose what we choose, but they're aware. I mean, for sure. It's a great way to handle it. It's not, you're not posing anyone's decision as wrong. It's just, this is what we're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And other people are going to choose to do what they need to do. Right. I want to hang on to the idea of, you and your husband being um, nowadays the only grown-ups that your kids are going to see, because I think that really leads us into the mental health part of the conversation. Uh, And Jenna, uh, I think you've got another great question. Did you and your husband uh, feel your kids were being influenced by your guys' stressors from coping with COVID? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely just to begin, I'm a definitely high anxiety person. And my husband will definitely agree with me. I get stressed very easily. I am very sensitive. So this was definitely for me, very hard to adjust to. And I found myself getting very angry. And not even at COVID specifically, but just in day-to-day tasks. I get very overwhelmed or frustrated. And like I go back into the work thing. I mean, it's very stressful when you think that you've got all these things to do, but then you've got to homeschool your kid and you've got to take care of them. You've got to go to the grocery store. You've got to wash your groceries. You've got to, There's just so much more on your list as opposed to normal day-to-day. And you never get that, you know, alone time to where you can just take a deep breath. And, you know, just my drive to work was like what I looked forward to like twice a week. It was great to have a drink my my coffee and have my quiet time. Yeah. As we as we all need. Um, But (laughs) yeah, I mean, definitely. And it sure I noticed it more myself and my husband. He's very patient and he's very like soft spoken and he's just, you know, would call me down all the time. But when this hit. I found myself yelling, you know, I noticed that she was also 
mirroring, mirroring my behavior. She was yelling a lot and not just, you know, yelling at that her, she couldn't get her shoe on. She was really angry at something. And for the longest time, I just thought, you know, it's probably just her. She's probably just developing. She, she just turned six. Like this must just be, you know, phase. And, you know, my husband and I would talk about it all the time and like, what, it, yeah. what is going on? Like, what are we doing wrong that she's so upset? And I never once thought, oh, well, I took her away from her friend. I didn't take her away. COVID took her away from her friends, pulled her from school, took her out of activity, took her out of normal routine. Um, she's not seeing like her nanny and papa. She's not seeing her yeah. uncles and aunts. She's yeah. not seeing her cousins. Um, and just life is just different now. And she's sick. So how is she supposed to, you know, absorb that and digest it? So it wasn't until like, one morning, I remember laying in bed and being like, I don't want, I can't have no energy to deal with their behavior anymore. And my husband and I talked the next morning and we're like, we have to change something because she sounds like me. She sounds exactly like what I'm saying. Wow. Um, just her tone is the same as, as me. And so ever since then, that like moment, I was like, something's got to change. We've got to flip the switch. Like we can't, I can't do this anymore. This is like hurting my chest to talk. And so we started to just, you know, ask her what was wrong, you know, talk to her like, yeah, she's six, but she's, she's human. She's a kid. And, you know, we were like, we just need to talk softly to the kids. We need to be a little bit more patient. I need to be a little more patient. Mm -hmm. He was patient. And um, just really take a step back and, and see life through their eyes, like what they're going through. Yeah, it's tough for us, but we're adults and are able to cope a little bit better than a young child um, just with development. And my anger wasn't good for my mental health. And surely her anger could not be good for her mental health. I want her to grow up to be the kindest person she can be. And she is. She's the sweetest. She's got, you know, she's so free spirited and such Mm -hmm. a gentle little girl Mm. that my anger was changing her her output or her, you know, the way that she was expressing herself. Yeah. So, I mean, literally since we've started talking softly and explaining things to her more, she is back to herself. Like it's, wow. It's like, it's like, we've all like just took a deep breath. Like we've all just, and it's That's just amazing. This, it, it really is because I, for a while was like, I'm thrown in the towel. Like, I, I'm done. I can't mm-hmm. do this. I was one of those people like they got to go back to school. They got to go to summer right. camp. I don't, I don't care. They got to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that I look back, I'm like, well, why was I thinking that way? Well, that was really bad of me, you know, but I've learned as a, as a person too, through this whole thing that that's just life. And I, I always think like, we're the only people dealing with this. We're the only ones but we're not. I mean, yeah. everybody's got struggles at home. <laughs> um, I mean, worse than what I thought I had. No, totally. with. So I'm trying to have more compassion for others' situations and, you know, just do the best that I can to, to clear the head yeah. and keep my kids, you know, on the right path. I guess if we're looking at any silver lining of being forced to be in the house with our families is that you can pick up on these nuances of your kids at such a young age. So she's only six, but you're really being able to tune into how directly you can affect the demeanor of your kid. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, with kids at the ages of six, four, and three, maybe being less able to orient themselves in this world of COVID, it makes it that much harder to figure out, you know, how to talk to them about it in general. But I really mm-hmm. want to commend you on, you know, the work that you and your husband did with yourselves, because it's great that you've been able to acknowledge that your behavior does directly affect them. Because I feel like we don't always want to admit that. And it's just good to see that by you guys employing changes in your own behavior, it's shown direct results in your kids. Absolutely. And I, I never thought that I would have to be having these conversations with her, but it's almost like it's brought a different side of a relationship between, you know, mother, daughter, mother, son, Mm -hmm. and, you know, father, daughter, father, uh, son. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's something we'll probably always remember as a turning point for at least my patients and my personal growth and mental health that, you know, I only hope that, you know, I can teach her one day. to draw this out into the national context uh, because mental health is something that is taboo in a lot of families. It's not easy to talk about stress or depression or abuse. And with the pandemic, we we talk about our emotions while households are still uncertain about the future. Um, How can these conversations happen when they are muted by the barriers we use to protect against COVID? According to Census Bureau data published by The Atlantic about three weeks ago, a third of Americans are feeling severe anxiety right now, and nearly a quarter show signs of depression. And it's been just four months since the country shut down. A Kaiser Family Foundation poll further showed that 56% of adults self-report a negative impact on their mental health since the start of the pandemic. Now, this is consistent with what we already know about how national crises affect our emotions. But the difference is that unlike a storm that floods a city or a mass shooting that haunts a sleepy town, corona is a drawn out sweeping death. It won't last just one day, not one week, maybe one year, two, three. We don't really know. And that's really part of what we have to deal with. Um, And I want to bring this into the picture because, Hannah, your story is really compelling. You've had to adapt so much to still be able to raise your kids, to to be able to homeschool them. But you probably wouldn't homeschool them if they were in high school, right? (laughs) That probably will not work that well. Um, And families need to be having these conversations because kids grow up very quickly and you've got to change just as quickly to meet their needs their social needs too. And the big fear is that society as a whole will not be able to change fast enough so that children don't get hurt, so that families don't get hurt. Um, And just to round back to how you guys are gonna do homeschooling in the fall, um, how do you plan on socializing your kids this fall? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of my top concerns, you know, one deciding to homeschool um, because obviously, you know, social development is, a part of, you know, a kid's growing up and becoming who they are and just, you know, makes them prepared for the world. So, I mean, thank goodness for technology and Zoom and, you know, being able to see their friends that way or family. But when it comes down to it, my kid's health, physical health is is 
way more important to me than them seeing their friends or playing at a park. My husband and I try to do a really good job to, you know, have activities for them at home. And it's a good thing my kids are very talkative to one another and have each other. Um, I can't say that for, you know, a single child home. Um, so it's very hard to, to say what's, you know, the right way to do it or not. But yeah, I mean, being able just to, to communicate with one another. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, families that talk are families that, you know, will get through this. I think that's the biggest part of the social aspect that we can provide them is just keeping that open communication with our kids, letting them know why they're not seeing so-and-so, why they'll know they're not going to the park. I mean, it's, it's awful that they can't play with anybody. They literally haven't played with another kid since March. And honestly, they haven't asked to have playdates because I think they understand. I know they understand why they can't. So I think because we had those conversations with them early on, you know, the whys, because if you don't tell them, they're just going to keep asking and they're not going to understand and they're going to go back to being angry. Even just talking about just talking about anything with kids and talking about them with other relatives via phone or Skype or whatever the case may be, I think is what's going to get us through the pandemic. I'm wondering if you have any peers with kids maybe around the same age as yours that are thinking of homeschooling their kids as well in the fall? Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring this up because I feel like people's opinions are starting to change based upon as, you know, schools roll out their plans. Some people that I thought would keep their kids home are not and some that I thought would send their kids are not. It's going to be really interesting to see what people actually decide to do. Um, because as these plans roll out, I also think that schools put plans out a little too soon because there people are already starting to pull them back and go hundred percent remote. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think people are going to have much choice. And I think those who put their kids in initially are going to be very surprised of, you know, kind of what happens, unfortunately. Um, that's just my opinion. That's not fact or anything, but the, the, I have, like I said earlier, if you're not going to go to the office. Why would you put your kids in camp or school? And I'm finding a lot of people are putting their kids in school. And it's just, it's kind of breaking my heart because I fear for them. Um, mm-hmm. But but like I said, like these school districts are coming out with these plans like so fast that there's not a lot of thought to them. Uh, just my opinion. But um, that's why we're choosing just to stay home. Yeah, I definitely get the sense that by choosing the homeschooling aspect, you're kind of grabbing the bull by its horns um, because it's going to happen anyways. <laughs> you know, uh, when I hear these like, oh, all the learning is going to happen on online. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't just sound like a Band-Aid. It sounds like a hypocritical Band-Aid that they might just go out there and say it. Hey, guys. If you can, you should homeschool your children and we'll give you the supplies, we'll give you the funding, the help, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's not the case. Because that's exactly like, like, like we're still, there's a great phrase in Spanish, which is you can't cover the sun with a finger. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. And what's just like very frustrating is like how are, um, like professional sports, how are they getting tested every day? Why is that being, why is that okay when kids aren't being tested every day? Like they're our future. What, you know, 
even teachers, like look what they're doing for us. Look at the things they have to deal with on a daily basis. Let's just add pandemic to it. So districts aren't even letting teachers have a say in what they want to do, which is awful. How would you, I mean, you're, you're being told to put your life at risk when you don't want to, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just like mind boggling. Right. Yeah, it's such like a it's such a heavy topic because, you know, your kids are so blessed that they have you as a mom who can teach them and who can homeschool them and rely on the fact that they'll be getting a good education from you. Whereas it's it's so unfortunate that a lot of kids who might not even need school from an educational standpoint, but need it for food or for safety or, you know, Mm -hmm. just a hug from their teacher. Those kids, you know, maybe shouldn't be home, but don't really have the choice anymore. Yeah, that's, I mean, my three-year-old will be starting her first year of school and um, to put her in an environment to where if she was running on the playground and would fall down and her teacher can't hug her and tell her everything's okay just because she got a skinned knee, like. That's heartbreaking. What is that teaching her is like emotionally, like she's going to think that she's not allowed to feel that way. Yeah. So it's just. Like I really, they didn't, there's nothing, you know, put out online that if your child gets hurt at school, this is how we're going to react. Like there's none of that. There's no um, explaining to the kids, you know, why we have to wear masks, why, you know, why this is all happening. Like none of that was like distributed to the parents so far um, as to what they're going to do. So how does that make me feel good about sending them? Because I think what I'm listening is like, this is like what people should pursue if they have the means to do it, if, you know, they can balance the work and homeschooling. And that's still important to highlight because it's going to mean that, you know, schools will have to teach less amount of children. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that's, you know, maybe that is the best thing you can do is just take them out of the cohort. um, And that will definitely help them. But I think beyond that, it's Mm -hmm. because my concern is really say children from, houses Mm -hmm. that are, you know, have violence in them, have, you know, those patterns that, that sort of makes it really essential for them to go to school as a refuge, you know, kind of like the Harry Potter kids, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. like, like, like that's, I think where my compassion as the listener goes next, I guess. And that's what we're lacking is compassion in this whole thing. I mean, from everything going on today, but there isn't much compassion for those teachers or those kids you know, going back or, you know, some, some workplaces aren't flexible. Some are making their employees come in. You know, I feel for those people because they have to put their kids in daycare. If they're physically requiring you to be in the office or you're going to lose your job, what are you supposed to do? Choose to feed your family at the end of the day or not and drown that way. So there's just, yeah. I mean, I feel very fortunate that Mar companies yeah. that we work for are very forgiving and understanding of what's going on um, and that we're able to homeschool our kids. Um, but I just feel for those kids who, you know, don't have that option or families that don't have that option. Um, it really like breaks my heart. I don't mm-hmm. want to veer into too much of the politics, but I think we're dealing with a situation that is, you know, lives in the pre-politics, so to speak. And that region of society when we're just, you know, we have to figure this out. We have to send kids to school. We need to figure, or, you know, what are we going to do if we're not going to send them to school physically? Um, And definitely, like, the fact that, you know, I really think everyone should pay more attention to their local districts 
because the probability that the contagion explodes in schools is much higher than even than in workplaces. And, oh, yeah. you know, we don't have to get into the politics of it, uh, comparing, you know, going to Home Depot to going to school because, you know, we all like to shop at Home Depot six hours a day, five times a week in the same aisle with the same group of shoppers. That's, that is the only way I spend, you know, my quarantine. Um, I think it's a case of building that compassion on both sides of the aisle, because at the same time, you know, all we hear right now on the news is that they're chasing down the politicians and they're doing this and doing that. And I, for one, would like to hear my news media chasing down the soccer camp and maybe more specifically chasing down the local health board that even allowed that to happen. Um, and that's the sort of energy that we need right now. And, you know, anything else is really just a distraction. And that's a, another really common theme of COVID. You know, we've now proved that going to the office was completely unnecessary. What other lies out there are there for us to like find out about, you know? I think you really, you gave us a lot to think about here, especially as two people who don't have young kids and aren't forced to think about this on the mm -hmm. regular. So you've given us um, a great perspective and we really appreciate you yeah, sharing Yeah, you're welcome. Us. And I mean, I just, it's hard. I mean, parents just have to know that we're all in the same boat and your situation might be different than mine, but I mean, it's definitely something that we're all having to adjust to and, you know, just think about how you're acting and how you're influencing the future within your children. And with that, thank you so much to Hannah Annecy, mm -hmm. Jenna Wilson. This has been Talking Object presented by Podcat Media, produced by Zach Franciosi. My name is Cesar Ranero. Goodbye now.